Go to Daniel chapter number 6. Daniel chapter number 6. The other day I uh, told my wife, said, I don't know what I'm going to preach on Wednesday night. And uh, Parker um, overheard, overheard and, and he said, Daniel in the lion's den. And I said, well, what about Daniel in the lion's den? And he just said, Daniel in the lion's den. And so I uh, went to the office with that thought kind of in mind and, and looked up the passage and um, kind of looked up some resources and, and said, you know what, Daniel in the lion's den might preach a little bit. So uh, pretty cliche title, but Daniel um, and the lion's den. Um, I know this is a very well-known story for most of us, most that, if you've grown up in church, I mean, my um, seven-year-old and my four-year-old know um, about Daniel and the lion's den, and so if you've grown up in church, you know the story well, but we have quite a few in here that um, have not grown up in church and might not know um, who Daniel is at all, and so I want to read um, the entire account and, uh, of Daniel chapter number six, the whole chapter, and then as I go back through, I'll uh, touch on some specific verses and point out four principles from Daniel's life that we can look at. Uh, but I'm going to start just by reading the entire uh, account here in Daniel chapter number 6. It said, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom and hundred and twenty princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither... Um, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together uh, to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute, and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, um, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled down upon his knees three times a day and prayed, and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree, Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they 
and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king, and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is, that no decree nor statute which the king established may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel, and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed um, the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a uh, lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lions' mouths that they have not hurt me, for as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. And the king commanded and they brought those men which had accused Daniel and they cast, um, and they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children and their wives and the lions had the mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces or ever they came at the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote unto all the people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever, and his kingdom that wit, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Um, let's go ahead and go to the um, Lord in a word of prayer as we get started tonight. Lord, I come before you. Thank you, Lord, so much for this um, portion of Scripture um, and the example that Daniel is uh, to us and the lessons that we can learn from Daniel and I pray that we'd be able to grab a couple of those tonight and apply them to our life um, that we would live with the character of Daniel ask that you please bless the other ministries that are going on tonight uh, with the children with the youth and ask that you please bless the teachers there uh, and that you'd please speak to them in a great and mighty way tonight ask that your will be done your sons I pray amen uh, Daniel um, is such a good example to us. Um, an example of faithfulness, an example of integrity that we can emulate. 
Um, and it's because of some decisions that he made uh, throughout his life, throughout the book of Daniel. Um, this isn't original with me, but he chose character over comfort. He chose discipline over disorder. And he chose his love for God over his own life. And because he made these types of choices throughout his life, God used him in some miraculous ways. Uh, we first meet Daniel in chapter number one, uh, where he was a teenager who was brought um, over from Judah um, whenever uh, Babylon conquered the nation of Judah and Jerusalem. And Daniel was brought over as a teenager between 15 and 19. Um, as you study it, you'll get some varying um, opinions on exactly how old he was, but he was a teenager. And, and it said in chapter number one that he purposed on his heart not to defile himself uh, concerning the king's meat and the, and the king's food. And, and now we're in chapter number six, and Daniel is about 75 or 80 years old. So been about 60 years um, since uh, chapter number one. And as we read the testimony of Daniel through, um, throughout the book and through several different situations that he found himself in, you'll notice some characteristics of his life that helped him to become a man of integrity, a man of character, and a man of faithfulness. Um, a man that, that we can look to and that we can emulate. I want to point out a few of those characteristics um, with you tonight um, that ought to be a part of your life, ought to be a part of my life as well. I've got four points that we're going to be looking at from the life of, from this, from this chapter of Daniel. Um, and if we're going to have a life that is devoted to God with character integrity, then we're, these four things need to be present in our life. And number one is an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit. Look at verse number three. It says, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. The, the chapter opens up with King Darius who has, um, just in chapter number five, we don't even get a full explanation um, at least in Daniel, of, of what happened. But um, Darius of the Medes and Persians came in and conquered Babylon. Very, very powerful city, very, very powerful um, nation. And uh, the Persian Empire was now on the rise, kind of becoming the world power um, at this time. And as he took office, King Darius began to set up his kingdom began to structure his governing body, much like the president would do today as soon as he takes office, begin to assemble his cabinet, begin to name um, the secretaries um, and, his, um, and his staff members and things. That's exactly what King Darius did. It says that he chose 120 princes to rule over different provinces um, of, of his kingdom. And over these 120 princes, he named three um, what he calls presidents. And um, those presidents would kind of, uh, uh, would, uh, 
be over the princes. The princes would go to the presidents, would answer to the presidents, and then the presidents would then, in turn, answer to King Darius. Uh, and one of these presidents that he appointed was Daniel. And Daniel just, he didn't just appoint Daniel as a normal president. It says in verse number two that he was the first of the three. And at the bottom of verse number three, it says that the king thought to set him, speaking of David, over the whole realm. What he did was he made the other two presidents answer to Daniel. And he put Daniel second in command over his entire kingdom. Um, and so he set up these princes where they would rule over towns and cities and, and provinces. The people would answer to these princes. Um, and then those princes would answer to the presidents. And the two presidents would answer to Daniel. And Daniel would, in turn, answer to King Darius. Um, Understand, though, that Daniel's promotion to be second in the kingdom was, divine, was by divine sovereignty. That was orchestrated 100% by God. It wasn't a coincidence that Daniel got this position. He didn't have to suck up to King Darius. He didn't have to try to manipulate his way into this position. Um, he... he he didn't get this position based on any physical attributes that he might have had. He didn't get this position because um, he, of how smart he was or how charismatic he was um, or, or uh, some great skills that he had of leadership. Uh, it was orchestrated by God. Uh, he was, again, of Judah. He wasn't even of this people. He was a Jew situation, if it not were... If it, if it were not because of God. Uh, and, and God allowing it to happen. And everything that happens in our lives is, is divinely uh, appointed by God. Um, God allows it to happen or God orchestrates it to happen. God makes, God, God puts us in certain positions. God makes things happen into our life or God allows those things to happen into our life. It doesn't mean that every negative thing that comes is because God has forced that upon us. Many of the negative things that come into our life is because of our own decisions or because of the, of the decisions of those around us. And God allows, based on his, on his um, sovereignty, uh, uh, um, according to his providence, he allows those things to happen. And in this situation, God allowed Daniel to be appointed um, in this position. Um, and we see exactly why God allowed him to be put in this position. In verse number three, it says, because an excellent spirit was in him. God used Darius to promote Daniel to this place of leadership, and not because um, Daniel had, was, was smart or was good-looking for a 75-year-old guy or anything like that, um, God, uh, Darius appointed Daniel because he had an excellent spirit in him. And every single thing in our life, if, if, you got a, if you get a promotion at work, it's because God has orchestrated that out in your life. And if you get a raise at work, God has orchestrated that um, situation. And if, and if you get a bonus, God has orchestrated that. Um, and, if, and if you receive some great blessings in your life, God has orchestrated 
those things. Psalm 75 says, For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge. He putteth down one, and setteth up another. Uh, God is in control of these things. And uh, this promotion that Daniel received from the king was allowed by God, and it was due to his excellent spirit. Um, and if God is going to use us for his glory, then it's going to be because we are a people of an excellent spirit. Uh, we are known by our spirit. Uh, there are some brilliant men in this world with profound knowledge and profound wisdom, uh, but nobody could care less to hear them because they got a bad spirit. Um, I think of uh, right now in the news, if you're familiar with the sports world, there's a football player named Antonio Brown. And he plays wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and, and he's probably the best wide receiver in the NFL, if not one of the best. Um, and he's under contract, but the Pittsburgh Steelers are probably not going to keep him for next season. And it's not because he makes too much money and they need to make money for somebody else. It's not because he was injured this year. It's not because he had poor performance. But it's because he has a bad spirit. And he has a bad attitude about the team and a me-first attitude. And, and the team is, is probably going to move, move away from him. And so it doesn't matter how good or how gifted or how skillful you might be. What matters is your spirit, is the spirit that you have. You might have, there's, there's some people who have uh, just a bad spirit that makes others not want to be around them. We just got out of the holiday season, and you may have had some family come visit, and um, oftentimes we hear of one or two family members when they all get together, one or two might have a bad spirit. And even as during the holiday season, we may have had one meal with them and thinking, when are they going to leave? Just get out of here because they got a bad attitude, they got a bad spirit, and I'm sick and tired of being around them. You may have made the trip somewhere. You made that mistake. And you got locked in because you told your spouse, hey, we're going to go, we're going to go for three days. And after day one, you're asking, when can we leave? These people are driving me crazy because they got a bad spirit. Uh, nobody wants to be around somebody who has a bad spirit. Um, you might have uh, uh, some are known for having a haughty spirit, prideful. Um, and uh, they portray entitlement or arrogance. And we don't like to be around that type of person. Some might have an evil spirit, a rebellious spirit. Where, where whatever is going on, they want to do the opposite. Whatever the rules might be, they want to break the rules. Whatever authority is in place, they want to buck the authority and they want to go away. They want to do their own thing. They simply just have an evil spirit about them. Some people have a, an angry spirit. And every time, every time somebody's around, they're angry, they're upset, nothing's good enough. Nothing seems to make them happy. Nothing seems to make them joy. But everything is wrong. Nobody can do anything right. 
and they're yelling and screaming, and, and you don't even want to be around them because you you're scared that if you say the wrong thing, they might bite your head off. You know, some might have an angry spirit. Um, but here is, through Daniel's example, we see that we ought to have an excellent spirit. Not a haughty spirit, not evil, not rebellious, not angry, but a spirit that is led of, uh, by love, a spirit that is joyful, a spirit that is kind, that is helpful, that is divinely led by integrity and character. It'll amaze you how much more, how much more effective you can be when you have a right spirit, when you have an excellent spirit. It'll amaze you how, how, much, how much more effective you can be for the work of God when you have an excellent spirit. How much better of a Sunday school teacher you can be with the right spirit. How much better of a children's church worker you can be when you go up there with the right spirit. How much better of a greeter you can be when you do it with the right spirit. How much better of a church member, a co-laborer you can be when you have the right spirit. God wants us to have an excellent spirit. So parent, what kind of spirit do you have toward your kids? Is it a negative spirit? Is it a critical spirit? Is it a spirit that every time they do something wrong, you're quick to point it out, you're quick to judge them, you're quick to put them down and, and make them feel small and make them feel insignificant and make them feel that nothing they do is ever right because you yell at them, because you criticize them? Or is, your, or is your spirit with them kind and uplifting and encouraging? And when they do do something wrong, when they do disobey, when they do uh, uh, break the rules, that you show them where they have gone wrong and how that they can correct that and how that they can do right. It'll, it'll, it'll amaze you the relationship that can, that the better relationship can be when you have the right spirit. Wives, what kind of spirit do you have towards your husband? Is it the kind of spirit um, that criticizes him that for every bad decision that he's ever made, that continues to nag him about every uh, mistake that he's made, every area that he's failed, you continue to point it out and continue to show him and, and continue to, to, to be on him for every area that needs improvement? Or do you have the kind of spirit that that of a sweet spirit that respectfully and supportively points out some of those areas that needs improvement and, and, and lets him know, hey, this, this is an area that needs worked on. Rather than a critical, negative, angry spirit with your husband. Husbands, why is your spirit toward your wives? Is it a haughty, prideful spirit that says, hey, I, I'm the man of the house and I lead this home and you better serve me and, and you need to do this and you need to do that and I expect this to be done by the time I get home from work and I expect dinner to be on the table at this such and such time. And you may not say those things, but your spirit is saying those things. Or you have a spirit with your wife, an excellent spirit that gives your family a role model that they can emulate, a role model that they can follow. Um, somebody who 
Um, your wife is proud to support and proud to um, stand next to and proud to follow as the leader of the home. How's your spirit? Employer? Employee? Teacher? Student? Friend? Church member? Co-laborer? What kind of spirit do you have with those around you? Is it an, could it be described as an excellent spirit? God always honors those that have an excellent spirit. Proverbs 29, 23 says, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. And we have the right spirit. We have the excellent spirit. God is going to honor that. God is going to bless that. God is going to promote that, just like he did for Daniel. Not only did Daniel have an excellent spirit, but he had a pure testimony. A pure, a pure testimony. Look at verse number four. It says, Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find um, none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. What's going on right here? The other princes and presidents were jealous and envious of David's position. They were envious of, of David's place, a second in command. Um, and so um, they determined that if they could find something wrong with Daniel, that, that King Darius would have no choice but demote him and promote one of them into his place. And so uh, they uh, began to look into David's life, began to search for something that they could point out to the king of, of where he was wrong. And verse number four says, But they could find none occasion nor fault. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Now it's important that we understand this verse because I believe that every word of the Bible was, was inspired by God. Every word, every verse is 100% accurate and 100% true. And... This says that they could find nothing wrong, no fault in him. These presidents, these princes, they um, snooped around David's personal life, and they spied on him for weeks. And after they spoke to his friends, after they spoke to his neighbors, after they spoke to those who were underneath him um, of his authority position, after they, after they spoke to those whom he worked beside, they could find nothing, no accusation. After they raided his home and, and checked his phone, looked at his text messages and his internet browsing history and his Facebook page and the music that he was listening to, they found nothing that could be found faultless against him. Now, does this mean that David, or Daniel, sorry, has... Um, achieved sinless perfection? No. Uh, the Bible clearly says there's none righteous, no, not one. It says all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. But they couldn't find anything that they could use to discredit his testimony. Um, no, doubt he, no doubt he sinned. He wasn't a perfect man. But there's nothing that they could find, nothing that they could use that could discredit him in the eyes of King Darius. There's nothing that they could use that, that, that would 
uh, uh, rightfully demote him of his position. He was a man of utmost integrity. And if you and I are not careful, we will allow flaws of our character to produce a testimony that is not only impure, but also ineffective. When people can find unfaithfulness and can point out faults and failures in our life, um, they not only are going to see the impurity of our hearts, but they're going to see the ineffectiveness um, of our own testimony. In other words, they're going to say this, why do I need to go to church if you talk the same way that I talk? Why do I need to commit my life to God if you behave the same way that I behave? If it doesn't seem like it's made any change in your life, what do I need it for? Uh, what happens is we invite people to church and we talk to people about the Lord, but they never respond because they've seen our testimony and it's impure. It's ineffective. That's where so much frustration can come um, in a home. Because as a parent, you're saying to your kids, hey, don't do this. Do that. Uh, don't watch this. Don't listen to that. Don't talk like that. Don't have that kind of attitude. Don't respond in that way. And as you, every time you say that, your kids are sitting back thinking, why not? That's how you talk. Why not? That's what you said. That's how you talk to mom. That's how you respond to dad. That's how you respond when you lose your temper, when you're frustrated. You yell. Why can't I yell when I'm frustrated? Well, I can't watch this, but you can watch that. I can't listen to my kind of music, but you can listen to your kind of music. And parents, oftentimes, so much frustration comes in our home because our testimony has grown ineffective in our own family, with our own kids. Because they've seen the life that we live, and it's not a pure testimony. As a parent, it's frustrating. As a child, it's frustrating. Um, our testimony um, needs to be pure. The same goes with our neighbors. The same goes with our coworkers. The same goes with our employers, with our employees, with our friends, um, with, with our extended family, with our fellow church members, co-laborers. We need to have a pure testimony amongst them. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver or gold. People are looking for faults in our lives, if there are any, they're going to find them and use them against us, against our testimony. Preacher said this, What we do speaks so loudly that others cannot hear what we say. What we do, the actions that we um, portray, speak so loudly that it doesn't matter what we say. It doesn't matter that we're um, inviting them to church. It doesn't matter that we're telling our kids, hey, you shouldn't act like that, and this is how you should behave, whenever your actions are speaking so much louder than the words that you say. This is why often our testimony is ineffective. And understand this, God is concerned with our testimony, and we ought to have a pure testimony so that someone else could interview our family, could interview our friends, our co-workers, our co-laborers, 
and be unable to find fault in our testimony. Somebody ought to be able to get a hold of your phone, check out your messages, check out your Facebook page, check out your internet browsing history, and be able to find no fault that would, that would uh, cause your testimony to be impure. They ought to be able to look at your Facebook page, at your Instagram account, and see the things that you like, and the things that you follow, and the things that you post, and the pictures that you share. And say, hey, all these things line up with somebody who has a good, pure Christian testimony. Fortunately, that's not always the case. Oftentimes, I'm scoping through Facebook, and I do it very quickly. I just, yeah, no, 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 no. And every once in a while, I come across something, catches my eye. I said, what, what is this? Who posted this? Because it has a cuss word on it, or because it's crude humor, or because it's uh, not an appropriate picture. Now it looks like, wow, that was a church member that posted that. <laughs> hey, that's somebody that, that I thought was a Christian that tells me that they go to church. And here, just two minutes ago, they posted, to God be the glory, great things he hath done. Listen, the things that you're putting on that social media can ruin your testimony. The things that you do, the way that you act, the way that you carry yourself can destroy your testimony, and God wants us to have a pure testimony. How is that type of testimony developed? It's developed because a teenage boy named Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself when he was 15 years old. When he was 16, 17 years old, he made choices. Hey, I'm not going to defile myself. His, he, he, he brought him, he associated himself with friends like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who would not bow whenever they faced the fiery furnace. He got alongside some good, godly friends that would encourage him to do the, make the right choices, to, to do things right. He developed that kind of testimony on purpose. That type of testimony doesn't, is not developed by accident. We don't just wake up on a Sunday morning to go to church and have a good, pure testimony. Don't just wake up and go to work and have a good, pure testimony. That comes over time, and it comes um, um, on purpose. You may say, well, I'm not, I, I'm a little bit too old. I'm 30, I'm 40, I'm 50, I'm 60. It's, it's, it's too late for me. I'm not, not going to be able to develop that kind of testimony. Understand me tonight, it's never too late to develop a good testimony. All it takes is you determining tonight. Tonight, I'm going to have a good testimony. I'm going to make some changes in my life tonight that will help me to have a pure testimony with my coworkers. I have a pure testimony with my family. I have a pure testimony with those that I'm around. What was so special about Daniel? Well, he had an excellent spirit. He had a pure testimony. And number three, he was consistent. He was consistent. Look at verse number 10. Verse number 10 says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled, down upon his, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before um, his God as he did aforetime. After he saw that the writing was, um, was, was done, after he saw that the law was passed, he went home. He went into his house, opened his window, and he prayed. Just like he had done aforetime. 
Just as he has always done, every single day before, he didn't change anything. Uh, this wasn't a prayer out of protest. Somebody didn't take away his right to pray, and so he said, you know what, I'm just going to go pray. And I'm going to open my windows for every single person to see me pray. No, this was just something he did every day. This is something that he did all of the time. This is something that he did consistently. And even when the law was passed that said, hey, not to do this, guess what? He stayed consistent and continued to do what he knew was right. Uh, it's, inter it's interesting how super spiritual we can get when spiritual things are applauded. It's interesting how much more we'll pray whenever we have a church-wide prayer meeting. It's interesting how much more we'll read our Bible when we have an um, all-church Bible reading plan. How much more so, how much more we're willing to do whenever other people are going to see it and other people are going to congratulate us and other people are going to applaud us. We're far more likely to do super spiritual things at that time. God wants us to have a consistent life, day in and day out. He wants us to be consistent. He wants us to have a consistent prayer life. He wants us to have a consistent Bible reading life. He wants us to be a godly witness consistently. He wants us to have an excellent spirit consistently. He wants us to be in his house consistently. Daniel knew the writing was signed and he prayed anyways. He knew that if somebody caught him, then, then he would be lunch for the lions. He knew the consequences, but he stayed consistent anyways. We have a tough time being consistent because of things like sleep and our schedule and, and television and other activities that we plan. But Daniel stayed consistent through being faced with the den of lions. And God just simply wants us to be consistent. He wants us to live a consistent, godly life. Daniel had an excellent spirit. He had a pure testimony. He was consistent. And he had powerful faith. Lastly, he had powerful faith. Look at verse number 23 of chapter number 6. It says, Then was the king exceeding glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. The princes, the presidents, they got exactly what they wanted. They caught Daniel. And in all reality, they simply manipulated the king to pass a law that made something um, illegal that, that Daniel did consistently every single day. And upon hearing the news uh, of the law, Daniel continued to pray consistently. And then um, the people saw him, and they reported him to the king. And in verse number 14, King Darius was displeased with himself. Um, he knew that Daniel didn't do anything wrong. He knew that Daniel... Um, simply was, was praying, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, and so the king tried to deliver Daniel, but according to the law of the Medes and Persians, he had to follow through with the sentence that he had already laid out, or else he was in, um, in danger there of himself. And, and so 
they cast Daniel into the lion's den. King Darius went home, and it says that he fasted all night, prayed for, for Daniel's safety, and the next morning he woke up, woke up or he got up. He didn't, the Bible says he didn't sleep that night. He rose up early, went to the den, shouted in there for Daniel, took the rock off, said, Daniel, you're all right. Daniel said, I'm okay. God has protected me. And, and, and see why in verse number 23 at the end, it says, uh, no manner was found, no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. Notice that Daniel didn't survive the den of lions because of his physical abilities. He didn't survive the den because he was a lion whisperer. Because he spoke to the lions and he said, hey lions, don't hurt me, I'm innocent. If you just wait a little while, you're going to get a whole lot of people in here to eat. Just, just, just hold off a few minutes and you'll get the whole buffet rather than just an appetizer. He didn't, he didn't smooth talk his way out of that. It's nothing that he did but because of his belief in his God. Daniel had powerful faith. Amen? Daniel had powerful faith. A faith that delivered him from death. A faith that promoted him in the first place all the way to the second um, in the kingdom. And what many of us are lacking tonight is a faith that can do powerful things in our lives. What many of us are lacking is a faith that, in which that we rely on God to work in great ways in our life. I don't know about you, but I want some powerful faith. I want a faith that closes the mouths of lions. And Daniel had such a strong belief in God that he could deliver him from the lions. And we oftentimes wonder how some bills will be paid. We wonder uh, what our, circ our work situation is going to be like. Wonder if you'll ever find a spouse. Wonder what is going to happen with our schedule tomorrow. What is going to happen with our health in the next week or two weeks or year. The same God that delivered Daniel out of the lion's den is the same God who can restore that health. The same God that, that spared Daniel from the lion's den from being eaten up that night is the same God who can restore your marriage. The same God that, that spared Daniel and that saved him from the, from the lion's den is the same God who can change your child's heart. It's the same God that can save that lost person. It's the same God that can meet those needs in your life because of faith. I like what this preacher said. He said, faith is that agent that initiates God's power to achieve the impossible. Say that again. Faith is, the, is that agent that initiates God's power to achieve the impossible. I don't know how your bills are going to get paid. I don't know how you'll find a new job. I don't know how God will restore that relationship. I don't know how God will finally get through that stubborn heart of your loved one. I don't know how God wants Fellowship Baptist Church to move forward in 2019. But I know that he can do it. If we have the kind of faith that Daniel had. A powerful faith. To just believe and trust in God. I know that he can deliver you out of the den of the lions. 
I know he can deliver me. I know that he has the power, he has the ability to do whatever it is that we need him to do in our lives if we simply will show faith in him. I wonder tonight, do you possess these characteristics of faithfulness that Daniel possessed? Do you have an excellent spirit? Or are you short-fused? Do you have a pure testimony with those around you in the workplace, with your family, with your friends, in the classroom? Or is your testimony ineffective? Uh, Are you consistent? Are you consistent in your prayer life? Are you consistent in your Bible reading? Are you consistent in your church attendance? Are you consistent in your service? Are you consistent in your witness? Uh, Are you consistent in your giving? In your spiritual walk with God? Then do you believe Him? Do you trust Him to pay those bills? Do you trust Him to change the heart of that family member? Do you trust him? Do you have faith that he can give you a new, better job than you had before? I don't know how God may have spoken to your heart tonight, but God, help us to have these kind of characteristics in our lives. An excellent spirit, a pure testimony, consistency, and powerful faith.